another kick at anything you'd like to do over <laughs> that's such a hard question because like i don't want to l- lose any of the really wonderful things that i have like the relationship i have with you guys or my husband or like my job but like i'm also not a hundred percent happy with where i'm at in life like i have a wonderful husband who lives on the other side of the planet <laughs> that's like i don't love that um also i i just i just small interactions maybe but like but nothing big i don't i don't want to redo any of it i don't want to do it again no not (laughs) well yeah true enough yeah i did it whatever whatever happens happens i guess i I, that's a good distinction because i mean i wish i had done some things differently but Mm -hmm. do i want to go back and do it over and do it no absolutely not could i have made better choices in high school sure and it's not like I was doing drugs or anything. I just wasn't going to class. Um, <laughs> do I? And you became quite depressed. Would I? Then. Well, but that wasn't my fault. No. That wasn't a choice. No, no. true. <laughs> but like, and even that, I don't really regret because it was a huge part of shaping who I am. Yeah. Um, but like, would I go back and redo high school? No, I don't oh. care. Whatever. Oh, yeah. No whatever kidding. had to happen to get me through it, good enough. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I I don't have a ton of regrets or things I would wish I'd done differently. Parenting, mm, yeah, like um, I like I said, like interactions. Yeah, I'm like shouldn't have said that. Yeah, um, one major job opportunity that I didn't even give a chance because I just had really self limiting thinking, mm. and it would have it would have been awesome, and I kind of wish I'd given that one a shot. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes things I've said that I just would do anything to take those words back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I came across a quote um, that really made me think that said, uh, Marie Robinson is the person who said this. And she said, nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. Okay. So I guess, you know, she's also agreeing with the idea nobody, nobody can go back. Um, even if we don't want to, but we can pivot today to use a favorite word of COVID. Um, we can <laughs> change direction and start today to make a new ending. So what thoughts does that bring to mind? Okay, while well, you're thinking, I'll tell you what it brings what, to like mind. like pivoting? No, that the idea that um, we can start today to make a new ending. I don't know if I'm panicking or I'm just like, correct. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, the quote reminds me of a story I okay. read about a man named Alfred who found himself in the rather bizarre circumstance of reading his own obituary. Unsettling. <laughs> there there it was, his life reduced to a few sentences on a black and white page. Um, the entire legacy of his remembered life taking up less than a square inch of real estate in a French newspaper. Mm. The obituary reported that he had died of a heart attack, which obviously was not true. Um, Alfred would later learn that a heart attack had recently killed his brother, which explained the newspaper's mistake. 
but you know, this was before the internet. Okay, did this he was know like, that his brother had died? Uh, no, that's but, really that's a hard day. Uh, that's that's a bad day. I I don't know if he was bothered that his brother died, but uh, the startling report of his own death is not what troubled Alfred the most. What really bothered him was that the fact that the most magnanimous thing the reporter had said about him in this brief article was that he was dead. (laughs) That's the headline. That's bad when that's the biggest compliment somebody could pay you. The rest of, of the piece assigned to him responsibility for the deaths of thousands of people. It went on to accuse Alfred of amassing his fortune by devising new ways to, quote, mutilate and kill, unquote, and announced triumphantly that the merchant of death is dead. Who is this person? Uh, getting to that. I figured. There was no mention uh, in this article of his contributions to the scientific community or his successes in industry, only that he was the inventor of dynamite mm. and a manufacturer of weapons designed to perfect the art of killing and destroying. But Alfred was still shocked. I mean, those things were to some degree true, but... To realize that his life would be so coldly synthesized down to that. I mean, after all, dynamite had been used for some very beneficial purposes. Mm -hmm. The shipping lanes of the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans had been linked by blasting an 80-kilometer trench to create the Panama Canal. A railway now spanned the entire breadth of a continent because of the path carved by dynamite through the Canadian Rockies. To think that despite these accomplishments, he would be most remembered for getting rich off bloodshed was terribly disturbing. Alfred had never thought of his life in these terms. In fact, like most of us, he'd given very little thought to the legacy of his life. The grim portrayal of his contribution to humanity had the same kind of effect that the one Dickens' Three Ghosts of Christmas had on Scrooge. Mm -hmm. He saw his opportunity to change his reputation from a merchant of death to a champion of peace. So, Alfred placed his millions in a fund to be invested in stable securities. His will instructed that the interest on this money was to be awarded as prizes to the people whose work in the previous year had rendered the greatest service to mankind. The prizes were to be presented in the areas of physics, chemistry, medicine, and literature, and an additional prize called the Nobel Peace Peace Prize Prize, was to be awarded to the person, and this is a quote, the person who has done the most or best work for the Brotherhood of Nations, the abolishment or reduction of standing armies, as well as for the establishment and spread of peace congresses. Alfred Nobel died on December 10th for real, Uh, 1896. And on January 2nd, 1987, a Stockholm newspaper called Nobel's Legacy, quote, a gift to mankind intended to further its development and promote its welfare, as well as to serve idealistic, idealistic purposes, the most magnificent one of its kind. Now, most people don't get a mulligan. Do you know what a mulligan is? Yeah, it's in golf. It's like a, a... It's a do-over. Yeah. Yeah, it's a do-over. Most people don't get a mulligan on their legacy. Very few people get the opportunity to see how they'll be remembered. But if you look down the road to the end of your life, what do you think this story will be like when told from the perspective of others? Will it be a life lived with courage and conviction, passion, focus? Or will it tell the tale of an unexamined, 
ordinariness swallowing up the potential for greatness. On a more personal note, will it express feelings of fulfillment and satisfaction or of guilt and regret? It's a terrible thing to die with regret and even worse to have to live with it. On, uh, in, in January of 2021, our American Airlines flight touched down in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, late Tuesday afternoon. 2021? Sorry. Um, sorry, 2012. I was uh, like, I, I seem to have developed situational dyslexia. I was like, did you go back and not tell me in <laughs> last year? No, we did not. So it was late Tuesday afternoon, just one hour before the earthquake that mm -hmm. destroyed that nation and mobilized the compassion of the world. It was interesting because as soon as we landed, uh, the seatbelt light went out and we stood and we gathered up our belongings. And I said to our team, let the adventure begin. Oh, yeah, I had no idea what kind of an adventure it was going to be. And I've shared before about the trauma of this experience. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail now. Um, really, when the earthquake hit, we were in the safest place we could have been. Uh, in the middle of a catastrophic earthquake. We were in, in a bus in the middle of a road. Mm -hmm. The buildings all around us had collapsed. And as it was getting dark, it was obvious we needed to find some place to spend the night. We eventually found our way to the Canadian embassy and permission was granted for us to stay there. By a Haitian driver, too. Yeah. Who yeah. had, you know, probably a family. Well, yeah, he didn't even know whether his family were living or dead, whether yeah. his home still and he existed. Still, and he still took you yeah, there. Yeah, he which, did. He got wow. us there. It was amazing. Um, so we, um, the gate opened at the embassy to admit our bus, and we were we were shell shocked. We kind of stumbled all <laughs> off the bus to be greeted by the ambassador's assistant, who said to us, "Welcome to Canada." Mm. And I don't think we understood the power of those words until a few hours later when crowds of wounded and desperate Haitians started gathering outside the gates. They were seeking sanctuary too, but the sanctuary of that place belonged only to those blessed to hold that little blue book with Canada embossed on the cover. Well, that night we slept on the ground of the embassy compound because the buildings weren't safe. And I will never forget the sounds of that night. First of all, the not sounds. Mm -hmm. There were no sirens. There was no sign of help on its way. There was, or there were, the, the loud bang of buildings giving way to the aftershocks and screams and wails of people who were trapped or bereaved or injured. Needless to say, it was pretty hard to sleep. And my friend Patty walked down to the gate which was our only window on the world outside of our little sanctuary. She was feeling, as we all were, overwhelming guilt for the provision and protection we had and overwhelming empathy for the plight of the Haitians. Patty extended her hand between the bars of the gate and took the hand of a Haitian man. Their eyes locked in a moment of, of solidarity. The sadness in his dark eyes was reflected in pale blue ones, tears streaming down both their faces. Patty expressed with her eyes and her touch what we were all feeling. If I could open this gate and let you in, I would. If I could get outside and help you, I would, but I can't. This is our reality. And you guys did try to get out We and did help try and to get out. We were, no, we weren't allowed to get Once we had come to the embassy, we were the responsibility of the ambassador. So we yeah, weren't allowed to stay. 
And so that was our reality, that separation, because of nothing that we had done, you know, we were on the inside, they were on the outside. And it wasn't as if we'd earned that preferential treatment. We were just born yeah, in Canada, just from somewhere else, not Haiti. And so we were secure, and we knew that eventually the Canadian Armed Forces would come and evacuate us to safety, and that the people on the other side of the gate would continue to survive, or not, amidst the devastation. My husband and I spent hours watching through that wide steel gate the next day as we waited for the evacuation plan to take shape. And as I said, we weren't allowed outside the, the embassy uh, to try to help. All we could do was, was be witnesses to the horror. And I'm sure I will never forget the deep feelings of guilt and regret that shot through our hearts because there was nothing we could do for the destitute people beyond the gate. Regret is a haunting thing. It's, it's a very hard thing to live with in the aftermath. And as I reflect on those powerful emotions, I, can, I just can't even imagine the depth of regret one might feel when the reality outside the gate is a literal hell, not a virtual one. I can't imagine recognizing a desperate face outside that gate that separates the home God has prepared for his own from the utter desolation on the other side. I can't fathom the guilt of wondering what I might have done to change that person's eternal fate if I hadn't been busy or preoccupied with insignificant things. If I were living the life I was created for, maybe I would have made time to form deeper relationships with people who don't know God and, as a result, have been invited to share the reason for the hope that is within me, as scripture says. Maybe I would have had the indescribable privilege of witnessing someone receiving their citizenship, their passage or passport to heaven. Should God give me a glimpse of those outside the gate on that day when Jesus judges the nations, I want to live my life in such a way that there are no regrets. I want to know with absolute certainty that I've done everything within my power to bring as many people to heaven with me. Mm -hmm. I want to face eternity saying with the Apostle Paul, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Mm -hmm. But if we hope to look back on a life well spent, then we need to prayerfully consider what we should be doing right now. Right? Life is a series of choices. Saying yes to one open door means saying no to another, right? I mean, ideally, it depends on mm -hmm. who you are. My sister says yes to every door. <laughs> well, just opens every possible door. Yeah, she, she likes doing all the things. Not every door. I mean, she's really going through a point now where she has to decide what she wants to do and her, her mat leave is over. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And, you know, when someone declines a promotion or, or chooses to stay at home with their children in order to be, you know, more available to their family... They have to be prepared to fall, to prepared to fall behind in the career world. That's mm -hmm. how it works, right? Or somebody who pours their abilities and passion into the teaching profession or a vocational ministry have to accept that they will likely never earn an income commensurate with their education and work ethic. A person who puts the goals of Jesus first has to place his own goals in second place. 
an unexamined life is a dangerous life, mm -hmm. right? Like Alfred, Alfred Nobel, um, you know, we have an opportunity. Maybe this podcast is your opportunity to decide to change mm -hmm. the direction or the lasting legacy of our life. So it's one thing to make that decision. And I think, I think we can kind of talk about like, okay, how do you, once you've identified sort of the gap or, or um, the things that you're not doing, uh, how do you pivot? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but how do you move past the regret? How do you not mm -hmm. allow that to cripple you mm -hmm. spiritually and emotionally? Well, I think the principle of redemption is, mm -hmm. is the answer to that. I think we redeem ugly things in our past by pivoting and um, doing good where there once was evil or, mm. you know, like, like Nobel did. Another uh, example comes to mind is uh, John Newton, you know, slave ship. Captain, yeah. Writer of Amazing Grace. Yeah. yeah. Who, you know, once God got a hold of him, he spent the rest of his life in the abolitionist movement and mm -hmm. pastoring actually after having been quite a wild guy i think wild is a bit of an understatement yeah well yeah. i just i just read a uh by a, a like a historical fiction uh story of his life and um yeah i mean if that was remotely accurate uh, there was a lot to not be proud of mm -hmm. and there would be opportunity for crippling regret but you know there's a reason he wrote the words Amazing grace, how sweet the sound to save a wretch like me, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's it's recognizing what we've done wrong and what we can do to make the world right. What we can do to cooperate with God in redeeming the evil. Yeah. I think another thing, and we've talked about this a little bit before, is um, self-forgiveness. Um can, and I, paraphrasing you, uh, we'll see how successfully I'm doing that. But like, guilt is I did bad. Whoops. Shame is I am bad. You're right. And shame never comes from God. No. Um, and so feeling convicted probably means, okay, I have some work to do around this. I need to turn around. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling shame probably means it's time to forgive yourself. If you've asked, you've all, well, even before you've asked, you've already been forgiven by God. Yeah. But it is so easy to still feel like, I remember talking to you about this when I was a kid, being like, I still feel awful. You say I, God's forgiven me. Why do I still feel this way? Mm -hmm. You need to forgive yourself too. Mm -hmm. Um and and kind of recognize that you can only only move forward you can only work towards the person god intended you to be well and the way my conversations with god surrounding those kinds of thoughts go is you know god i thank you that you've already forgiven me for xyz mm -hmm. i choose to forgive myself for that too mm. Um, because you're right, he's already forgiven us. All, all of our sin is under the blood if we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. So um, who, 
who do we think we are yeah. that we're above our own forgiveness yeah. if we're not above God's? Yeah, why why is your moral standing so much higher than God's? Right, and, you know, sometimes, uh, so we've talked about, you know, people who are really extreme examples, like John Newton, but what if it's just been, I've been too wrapped up in my own priorities to really care that most of the people I work with will go to hell unless... Mm -hmm. Unless I do something. Unless, well, I or somebody else does something. But maybe I'm the only one in their world who knows how to have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's that kind of a turn where we just realize, I've got to do something to be more intentional mm -hmm. about, about, first of all, having relationships with people who don't know God. Because you're you're probably not going to get very far trying to preach at people you have no relationship with. I mean, <laughs> there are people who do that, but it's never really worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it may be, and maybe it's, uh, you know what? I am not giving my family the time they deserve because I'm working way too many hours. Mm -hmm. And it may be I have to take a demotion or, uh, you know, do make some kind of a career change in order to be the parent that I know God wants me to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe to, maybe this podcast for some people is, is a little bit of a wake up call. Cause you're, you're not fulcrum. Uh, you're maybe fulcrum. Pivot point. Your pivot point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure fulcrums do that, but that's okay. No, I don't think. I think that's more like the center of a teeter totter. Yes. That is what a fulcrum <laughs> is. Yes. So, you know, you can listen to this and you can choose to simply resume your old life, whatever that is. Maybe it's working 14 hours a day. Maybe maybe you want to go get a part-time job to help pass the hours while your kids are in school. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you want to spend every available moment on the golf course. And Jesus will still love you. Yeah. He will still welcome you into heaven. But think about what you'll be missing. Mm. We were created for so much more. And something I struggle with personally is um, making changes, like committing to change and sticking with them. Mm. Especially like if you've had a hard day and you've committed to be Jesus, like if you've committed to really radiate Jesus' love and you've had a hard day and like this is such a cliche example, but someone cuts you off in traffic or whatever it is, mm -hmm. whatever that makes you snap, like how do you maintain that? Hmm. Well, I think one of the key things is um, accountability. That sure. can be a very helpful thing. So someone else, a spiritual friendship um, mm -hmm. where you can say, so how you doing on that? Mm -hmm. Representing Jesus well. Um, another thing is, you know, we're told that we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength we need. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I've tried to employ is when I feel I'm really worn down, like my resolve is really worn down. Mm -hmm. I will just, you know, quietly whisper Jesus' name and, you know, just talk to him and, and acknowledge that he, I don't need to pray for his strength because mm -hmm. he has said he'll give me the strength that I need. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of, um, at, you know, um, going to him and not just trying to power through on my own. He's also told us that he'll never give us more than we can handle with his help. Yeah, I I mean, people, that's how people phrase it. I think yeah, they, get, they get the principle from... Um, uh, okay, it was in my mind and it strength, left. Strength, something about the strength to endure it. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Is the, the verse says something about the strength to endure it. It, it. more has to do with temptation. Yeah, it's it specific to temptation. It does but... encompass the idea of trials as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, no temptation or trials will come uh, come upon you that, um, yeah, I'm doing a terrible job. I'm absolutely butchering By our words. powers combined, we still can't get it right. <laughs> Wonder Twins, activate. <laughs> oh, nice. So... You know, the thing, one of the things that I, I, I hope I can keep in the forefront of my brain and I can help other people remember is that we are God's plan A for bringing the hope of Jesus to the world. Mm -hmm. And there is no plan B. Oh, 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 my goodness, the yeah. pressure. <laughs> right? <laughs> Excuse like, me while I curl like up in a ball. Just, just think about that for a moment. God trusts us with matters of ultimate eternal importance mm -hmm. and yet we struggle to trust god with little things yeah right so in view of his capabilities and our capabilities doesn't that strike you as being a bit, a bit ironic it strikes me as being a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> you know i i mean i don't know why he trusts us to be the vehicle through which others are brought into the family. He knows of God. a lot of things that we don't. And thank God for that. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So I want to encourage you to choose to trust God with your life and your livelihood. Embrace your destiny as Jesus' representative on this earth. Not one of us is meant to be ordinary, overwhelmed, or uninspired mm. because we each have a calling on our life. Uh, someone put it this way, and I love it. God has smuggled something from his heart into this world by concealing it in your heart. Mm. And the world won't be the same without it. In fact, eternity won't be the same without it. So question I would like to leave with you is, how will you spend your one and only life? I mean, we can spend it on things that will only decay along with us as we lie in the ground, or we can give it to God, but we can only spend it once. Mm -hmm. If you have any strong thoughts, opinions, what have you on this episode, we would love to hear them. Uh, you can always comment if you're listening online. You can always comment um, on the, whatever platform you're listening on. Um, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. Instagram. We're Thank on you. Instagram. We are on Instagram. Yeah. Grow on the Go Pod. They can also reach out to you on Facebook directly. Sure. Just Donna Carter. Yep. And let I want to remind everybody we have a share show next week. Oh, a share show next week. We Exciting. do. And if you're new, um, a share show is a show that we invite you to listen to with a question in mind. Mm -hmm. And what is that question, Kevin? Uh, who do I know in my life who doesn't know Jesus that could that could benefit from this? Exactly. Something like that. That's very good. It's not my first rodeo, although you would never know it. <laughs> yeah, so share show coming up next week. Um, let me just finish off this podcast with um, this great scripture from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. 
If you want to hear more of Girl on the Go, do remember to subscribe on your favorite app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Or, of course, you can listen anytime using the MyJoy Radio app. That is it for us today on Girl on the Go. I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com. 